This is Eric and Jordan from My Brothers and I. I'm Vince. I'm Boyd. This is Josh from Adverse Effects. This is Zanny, Rebecca, and Katie. And we are The, the Cabin, Cabin Project. Project. This is Travis from The Audio Sequence. I'm Jason Amare, and you're listening to Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX on PRP. PRP.FM. It is Tuesday night. You're listening to Sounds of PDX here on Portland Radio Project. KSFL LP Portland is 99.1. If you're listening to us on the web right now, uh, hit us up on the talk board because I have special guest Logan Lynn in studio with me. Logan, thanks so much for being here tonight. Hi, thanks for having me. We're also joined by producer, co-writer extraordinaire, Gino Mari. And, and genius. And genius. Yeah. <laughs> I was kidding yeah, there. You were getting I, I, I concur. Cool, yeah. <laughs> well, um, recently you released a record. I want to talk to you about that. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Big giveaways. If you're on Facebook, you just saw we've got um, three different types of CDs to give away in the first hour. Got a vinyl to give away in the second hour, so lots to cover. And uh, to start things off, we've got a track by Mitski. It was an artist that I had further down on the playlist, but... Uh, Logan, why did we need to open the show with this I one? demanded it be so. Uh, this record is my favorite record of 2016, and that from a person who released a record in 2016. Um, so just you know, know that for reference. Self-deprecating. I really, our record is great, and her record is great, and they're, you know, I think similarly great. Sure. Well, this is, this is it. This is your best American girl here on Portland Radio Project. Stick around. Two hours with Logan Lynn and Gino Mari. Mitski here on Portland Radio Project. I just downloaded the entire record on Logan's uh, request. Demand. 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 <laughs> oh, God, I love that song. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's kind of a, um, Gino and I were chatting a bit about Cigarose. It's kind of a pop element somewhere between Cigarose and, but It's you know, definitely got that heavy, heavy atmospheres that, like, uh, yeah. It's oh. like everything you've ever loved about Liz Fair. And the Breeders. Then, and the Breeders, but yeah. then modern. Yeah. Yeah. Modern production. Um, I, I want to talk to you about modern production and the sure. amazingness that is on a do. But first, uh, for for both of you, what's the first record you fell in love with? Nine Inch Nails, Downward Spiral. Okay, all day, was every it day. Ninety four. Ninety four. I was yeah. thirteen. Man, a weird little foreigner kid, and I uh, found that, and that was like magic. And you uh, have Depeche Mode on the list that you yeah, brought in, Gino. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's. The lineage right there. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. And I mean, it's all about the producer Flood, really. He did so much for that period of time and making atmospheres and electronic music, like interface with pop. It's, yeah, it's yeah. my favorite. How about you, Logan? Me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Innocence Mission Umbrella. I was not, so I was raised in a church environment where I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music, and I read Christian, contemporary Christian music magazine every month. <laughs> And they reviewed um, an Innocence Mission record because there was one Catholic song on it at the end. <laughs> and I was like, Mom and Dad, I'm allowed to buy this. And I did. And, and I, you know, music meant so much to me back then because I wasn't allowed to hear it. And so when I heard that and her voice, I was like instantly hooked. And that has, you know, it's been 30 years. What did you what did you seek out after that? Because it was obviously something that you hadn't experienced before. Was there more secular music? You're like, I've got to get this now. Yeah. So that that was like... 
you know, and I was allowed to listen to soundtracks. There was a few loopholes, one of which was soundtracks. So we would see movies, and for whatever reason, my parents let us buy the soundtrack, which was awesome. But only we, they liked the movie, probably. Well, I don't know. Like, so, like, Footloose soundtrack as a kid, you know, there was a lot of that going on. Um, and then there were times where, you know, I was also allowed, like, they loosened up the reins a little, and then it was more about content of secular music. Mm. But I always did really weird things, like go, and because I wasn't allowed to buy it, I would shoplift CDs, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I would take like the Nirvana and the Pearl Jam CD and I'd put it in an Amy Grant case and I'd hide that. And <laughs> that worked for years. I love but, that. But it made my relationship with music so intense because I knew that at any moment, if those records were found, they'd be taken away. Hmm. Um, and so every listen was like dangerous and it was full of this like... Um, connection to the outside world, like the secular world that I really needed to be in that, that I felt would accept me. Um, and that was my lifeline all through all of that. Tiny doses of the matrix outside the <laughs> right. universe. Right. <laughs> well, uh, you brought it up. Pearl Jam was just inducted today into the Rock and Roll I Hall of Fame. I saw that. Yeah, well, congratulations that. to them. Yeah, it's great that somebody finally threw them a bone. <laughs> I love them. I really do. You I know, do I, I love everything about them. That I, record, that ten record. I mean, oh man, perfect. the, the original version years. of that, the the one, you know, they did the remaster like in twenty ten or yeah, something, the where they like took out all of the atmosphere and like made it like you know bro rock record, but. The original version of 10 is amazing. Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, yeah. That's I fantastic. felt that when I was a 12-year-old. Yeah. Oh, I was like, this is me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that same era um, spawned an artist that, that you had a relationship with, and I want to talk to you about um, kind of your connection to Elliot Smith. But yeah. Color Bars is next on our playlist. and. Yeah. I mean, figure eight, I think this is off of. It's just like... Hard to pick a song of his that would be my favorite or that inspires me the most. I think, you know personal relationship aside you know we we hang in this hung in the same circles uh, you know years and years back and um he was always very supportive of of me and what i did and um i think you take that out his music still was the permission in in my life to go forward with the kind of music i i make and made back then um i would not have had the audacity to say the things about uh, myself that i was saying so publicly had he not blaze that trail and he was already doing that i, I had a, a a visual of him being embraced by portland at least at that time um that emboldened me to be a little more brave with my writing and um you know obviously our music was very different back then and i sure. think as i as i age and i as my music gets better frankly because we know what we're doing more <laughs> i i'm just i'm a better person so my songs are better um i do see more similarities i, I see my inspiration very directly um, in my lyric um, adventures and, and also just my way of, um, you know, he had a way of writing songs that, that we all digested as personal. Most of his songs actually weren't about him. Hmm. Um, they were stories and snapshots, like slice of life snapshots. And um, I never have been like that, right? Like my songs have always been like, oh, here's my diary. It's yeah. the worst part of my diary. Look at it. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I'm able to see my life in story more than have it be like this visceral um, stream of consciousness, <laughs> like, um, you know, proverbial barf out into some sort of dance party. That, I, that's how I would encapsulate my whole <laughs> first 10 years of my career, essentially. Um, and now it feels much more intentional. His precision, Elliot's precision in his songs, I still can hardly wrap my head around when I listen to it.
Soft Cell here on PRP. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. I'm your host, Luke Neal. That was an influence brought in by Gino Mari. He is a guest of mine. Logan Lynn is with me as well. They are in studio because uh, we're actually a couple weeks late. Mike Burling gave us a shout out here on the talk board. But PDX Spotlight went live on December 11th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we definitely want to talk about that. Our, our playlist tonight and every Tuesday is brought to you by PDX Spotlight. So let's also talk about how it's not our fault that it's late. It was Mother Nature's <laughs> yes. fault. Yeah. That was the snowstorm. We were gonna I'm not just that. high maintenance canceling appearances. <laughs> no, I, I, I would have been here. I would have put on my snowshoes. You couldn't come. You said you were, yeah, I had to come. For I was me. like, how am I going to get Gino? But I was like ready to defy death. You seem determined. I will not let Sounds of PDX down. <laughs> not tonight. <laughs> well, yeah, we've got rain. I think it's in the 40s, so yeah, you, yeah, all, no, you all are here now. Thank this is God. good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same month, too. It's All's like, oh. well that ends well, yeah. friends. So the episode went live. Um, had you ever done anything like a TV episode like that before? Yes. Was it Tons. Was it, uh, how was it for you to see your new music on there? I think that's been cool. Like, we did everything we did. We haven't done the, a tour to support this record yet. We're doing that next fall. So everything we did when we were traveling around this time was all just radio shows or little TV things like that, all basically press. So they were super short. We had a little bit more control, which is always fun to be like, oh, wow, we played that wrong. Let's try that again. Like, that's not real life, Um, (laughs) but it sure is fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, it's been cool. The the thing that's been really easy this this go around, I think, and particularly for Gino, easier, I should say, is he's not having to translate – something that was like a dance party into mm-hmm. a live show, right? It's not programming into live drums or live guitar or live keys. It really was written in a way that you just get on stage and you play it the way you wrote it, essentially, with you know alterations. But I think that's the first time for sure. When well, we've I mean, been... it's also the first time I wrote it, you know, so right. it makes it like, sure. a lot easier for me totally. to translate. <laughs> right, like you wrote it once. Yeah. Instead yeah. of having yeah. to write something for, exactly. for other people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's been cool. And it, I mean, I think... Um, working with other people, having Gil around during this press tour has been fun. We work with different people here and there on keys, but the AC, Gino and I tend to, you know, we've been playing together for the better part of a decade. Hmm. Um, so we, it's been cool to reunite with the guys and play songs that I really feel connected to. Um, I'm a little scared of these songs in a way that I haven't been in the past because of that whole stripping away of the bells and whistles. Yeah. So it's been really awesome. And also my first reaction when I see these videos of all these shows is to criticize myself <laughs> or to be like, oh my God, I can't believe we don't have more effects on my vocals or, you know, like whatever it is, it's um, it feels much more in your face and present in a way that I'm, working really hard to stay brave around and, and comfortable, get comfortable with. How do you process that, Gino? Because you've been on the ride with him for a long time, and you see his maturity as an artist and, I'm sure, growth and I mean, confidence. It's, it's basically just slowly breaking him down to do everything that I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean... You hold the chisel. I, well, I just, you know, I, I had an idea before the, the record started about making something that was way more dynamic, something that was way more based in a moment and capturing a performance rather than you know, endless sequencing, which is awesome too. You know, I right. love that. But, you know, that's something that hasn't been done before with uh, with Logan at least. And so I thought, you know, that's that's a direction. And so, I mean, I think the other truth is just kind of taking the time to focus on 
the takes, you know, like getting the take that feels right instead of like comping everything and making it perfect from 10 takes, you know, spend, you know, another 30 minutes recording and you have a, a killer take at the end there yeah. when you're warmed up and you understand where you really need to be and your timing and everything. He made me do it so many yeah. times yeah. <laughs> over and over. We re-recorded the whole record essentially once and then again, my vocals. Yeah. Because... And we use some of those original takes now that I think about it. Definitely. But for the most part, you know, that was the second time around after we had had some time to play the songs and, and really some time to get me brave enough to say, okay, let's do these songs. And there's a ton of great hooks. Like the whole record is yeah. full of phenomenal hooks. Yeah. I'm sure that time with those scratch tracks also helped. Definitely. It did, yeah. Well, I want to shift gears back to the playlist here. Let's talk uh, about the next track by the Danny Warhols. You submitted We Used to Be Friends. I did. I ironically. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I love me some Danny. Yeah, yeah. They've been... Uh, around for quite some time yeah. and been huge supporters of my career, signed us. Um, I think with all the best intentions going in and, you know, when you have a bunch of bands that, like, don't know what they're doing and they try to run a label, it is hard. And I think, you know, Court, I've, Court, I've read quotes from Courtney about um, this very thing. And, you know, now they're working with a different uh, third party major. And I think things are going well. Uh, I didn't stick around long enough to enjoy the things are going well part. <laughs> our, our time was like super hard on the label, yeah. mainly just because it was, you know, a, a really hyped up record, had put a lot of money into the making of it, but then no press, no radio, no, no, no PR, no real um, support after that. Mm. And, and, you know, it fell kind of flat. What um, year was that? That 2009. Which yeah. is also when everybody stopped buying music. Too. Yeah, I was that say, was like the, the market shift. Of, yeah, totally. yeah. yeah, it was like a really weird thing. Yeah. And everybody was looking at me too at that time, right? Like it was like a very high profile signing and we were playing an industry showcase at CMJ and Music, music Fest Northwest. And I had just gotten clean. And so when we start, when we got signed, I got signed to make that record in 2007 and the bottom dropped out of my life the entire 2008 and I got clean. And then when I got out of rehab, I scrapped that record and started over and, and made a good record. <laughs> but by then, like it was a little bit far down the road. Um, and, you know, we went on a disaster of a tour uh, <laughs> and I, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's call it a life lesson yeah. extravaganza. Um, but you know, that was the final straw for me around that whole setup. And and you know, I love Courtney and Zia and Brent and Pete. I love the Dandy Warhols. Um, but it was a good thing for us to to exit the label and. Um, they were actually really cool. They could have done, you know, technically EMI and Caroline owned my catalog mm. since the late 90s because they re-released everything. And so um, in 2013, the Dandy said helped me from 2010 to 2013 get the rights to my music back, um, get the get my name back and all of that. And That's they so didn't awesome. charge me or anything like oh. that. So um, I think we have had... Um, they were super supportive and signed me and have always been lovely um, and obviously opened the door to their world to us. And the door just kind of stayed open and we weren't ever really able to cross all the way through. But I, I wish them 
only the best. And I actually sure. didn't pick this song because of them. Like, it's funny that that triggered this conversation. I picked this song because I love it. Okay. And um, I, <laughs> and I feel both. that way about a lot of their songs. Yeah, I've, they're fantastic. I've always loved their, um, their music. And Courtney has been, you know, he was my mentor from the time I was pretty young. Um, going through now still, you know, I, he's always the first person I send records to, to listen first mm. and give feedback. And, um, you know, I take it or I leave it, but I, I really respect his position in the music industry still he, he, that he maintains. Um, and I want to hear what he thinks about what I'm doing. I think we all have a handful of those people. Like you want to write something and share it with them and mean something to you. And yeah, I, I'm sure Gino's that way for you. It's as well. just me. <laughs> <laughs> he only cares about Gino. pleasing himself. Yeah, yeah. Do I love it? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's the perfect segue. Uh, so here it is, Dandy Warhols on Sounds of PDX. Stick around. We've got Logan Lynn and Gino Mari until 9 p.m. Debesh Mode here on Sounds of PDX. I've got Logan Lynn and Gino Mari in the studio with me. We've been talking about a lot of things during the break, but we're talking about something that I love that you're doing, Logan, and uh, the 16-song project. You just put a blog post up, but you also have been putting um, videos yeah. on Facebook. Talk to us about that. Uh, this year has been really weird, right? Yeah. And my, my friend Matt Albert, who is a musician, um, moved to Portland at the beginning of the year, and didn't wasn't able to fit his Steinway into his house, like the front door of his house. He moved here from San Francisco, and so I adopted his piano, <laughs> uh, put it in my loft, and have slowly, you know, I'm, I'm in this process, which is kind of a challenge from Gino, of being more vulnerable, right? Like being able to match up what I'm saying to how I'm saying it. Uh, I'm saying vulnerable things in sort of ways that are safe. So trying to take that out, stay more connected to what I'm really in love with about the process, which is like this therapeutic tool for myself. Mm. So as, um, as the months have progressed in 2016, I had just decided to pick one angle, set up my phone, and every day or so I press record and I videotape myself doing freeform um, songwriting on that thing. Um, and I have posted, as the songs become songs, uh, posted clips online. And then this this year, I've, I, like I said, it's been traumatic. And so I have leaned into that tool that I know I, I have mm -hmm. um, to kind of help me process my days. And as I, I usually do like a wrap up at the end of the, every year, and I just can't. Like, I can't, it's been a really great year for me, actually. One of the best of my professional life. And also one of the hardest of my professional and personal life. And the entire world and everyone I know is suffering and crumbling around me. So it's, it's a really weird polarity to be holding. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not super celebratory about our success because I'm also in this pool of, like, s suffering and tragedy. I was like, whatever. I can't, I can't write anything. Everything I start to write, I just like get angry or I just can't get past the first sentence or two. And so I took all of those clips and I just decided to let them kind of speak for themselves. And I, I published that yesterday. It's really cool. There's one um, uh, 
You Know You Don't Mind. It was such a cool, you know, I don't know what that song's going to turn into, but that's one as I was going through that stuck with me and that I was humming later and I had to go back and find uh, the lyric again. But it's just cool to, to have these snippets of, of rawness. But Gino as a producer, I mean... I can't imagine it. Yeah, I, right? I am so I am so He's guarded. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm so guarded with my ideas until right. they're real because you only get one first impression, right. you yeah. know? And so, like, I couldn't, I would never. But, you know, at the same time, if it's part of the process of finding yeah. it, and then that's what you got to do. And but. I don't know that anybody's <laughs> ever written a record live on Facebook or Twitter before. No. So, no. you know, I hope my publicist is listening because there's your <laughs> angle. The inception <laughs> is what is so beautiful as a songwriter and musician. And one of the things that intrigued me after her major success of Jagged Little Pill, Alanis was going to totally quit. And then when she came out with uh, Alanis, Alanis Morris, just kidding. <laughs> no, so supposed former infatuation junkie, each one of those songs was written and recorded in the same day. Right. So that to yeah, me, Glenn Ballard's a genius. Man. That guy's yeah, amazing. He is he's a like genius. A great producer. He's really fantastic. Yeah. But that's the rawness I dig yeah. about the, the 16 clips that you put yeah. out as well. I feel like it captured my year. And it was cool to go back and be like, right, that was a rough day. Or I was like happy there. Or like, oh, wow, I liked that sweater. Why did I sell that? <laughs> I've had a lot of like moments. Yeah. Um, but it's it's the first time I've ever been willing to let people hear my vocals unaffected, um, willing to be in my pajamas crying and let people see that. I mean, it's one thing to talk about how that was my process with this current <laughs> record we just released, and another thing to be like, hey, look, live stream <laughs> my suffering. Yeah. I have no pants on. Here's my new song. I mean, that's, it's really... It's, I, I call that the Donald Duck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Donald Duck. <laughs> totally. Hey, when inspiration strikes. Yeah. Right? Uh, so speaking of inspiration, the uh, Ado starts, I think, with a song. I, I like it all the time. Is that the, the yeah, first track? Yeah, that is. Um, so this is the first couple back-to-back -back of, of tracks from Adu I want to play here, Logan. We've got that and the one. So here it is. First two tracks from Adu from Logan Lynn. I like it all the time. Some like it rough. I like it all the time. So what if I want to make you mine? And what if you wait for just the right time? So long at the right time. No As long as he knows you're a whore for the spotlight 
the one by Logan Lynn here on Portland Radio Project and that is the clean version if you yeah. want to hear the dirty version get the record yeah <laughs> that was Nancy Kerrigan crying why at the end, <laughs> yeah that's, we that's real <laughs> uh, they can pick up a physical copy at Millennium uh, Music Millennium yeah Music right Millennium has it in Portland yeah. as well as um, Tender Loving Empire over on Hawthorne and you know I think it's most preferred that artists would like folks to buy their records in person, right? Sure. More or on my website. Okay. Either say. way, direct to artist is always good. I always ask what's second best for the artist because iTunes is so accessible. But please right. understand, folks, for independent artists, <laughs> yeah. if you want to put some cash in their pockets, <laughs> buy it in person. Uh, you're listening to Sounds of PDX. My special guest tonight, again, is Logan Lynn and Gino Mari. We're talking about their influences and all things music. Had a couple questions here um, that still kind of deal with uh, early stages. Uh, first instruments for both of you, not vocals. Casio SK-1. My cousin Scott gave it to me when I was like eight or nine years old. You hit the loops and then play Hell yes, and, and the sample button. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely uh, learned how to uh, write songs on that thing. Do you know? Um, my mom got me a pawn shop, BC Rich, Rich Pinch. Oh, nice. A purple one. It was horrifying but you know it was awesome and i just played like the man who sold the world over and over and over again. yeah <laughs> a, lot, a lot of steve vai and joe yeah. satriani <laughs> oh no no I, I i've never liked the people who are actually really guitar virtuosos i, I much prefer people who just write good songs well you wrote <laughs> a really great lead part um at the end of the one we were talking about as we were coming back into this break um it, the tone is really vintage and really cool, and I said it has a Heartbreakers vibe. Yeah, and sure, by the yeah. way, they're going on tour again. Oh, definitely going to that. Um, but, I mean, it's such a cool departure from Logan's early stuff. Now there is that full band vibe, and you've got these really cool vintage tones. Is that something that you've wanted to do with his music for a while? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something he's been talking about to me for a while. I can verify that. Uh, it, you know, I think it's always been kind of weird for the music I make to not be anything like the music I listen to hmm. and I'm inspired by for the most part. And I think Gino's always felt like that 
was incongruent and doesn't totally line up with what my real true original dream of what I'm trying to do out here is. Um, I fell into electronic music because it was easy to make. I didn't sure. play any instruments. I mean, I, I actually lied to you when I said that I learned on SK1. My parents tried desperately to get me to learn how to play the piano as a child. So I, I took some lessons from that. But, you know, I, I wasn't too lazy to really learn how to do anything. I didn't want to do that. I had dreams of writing songs and having my vocals and my melody, my vocal melodies heard and, and my message heard. Um, and so electronic music, you know, it was easy to do that with. Mm -hmm. And um, this, you know, historically, other than when I would write on the SK-1, like for the first that first EP in 98 and then 2000 when Glee came out, that was all, I played all of that, um, which you can definitely tell because it sucks. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't suck. Sorry, Glee. It just isn't totally refined. You're saying sorry it's, to yourself. Yeah. I was. Sorry, <laughs> vintage. Sorry, sorry, teenage Logan. Maybe Logan. He was 17 years old, though. You know, it's not bad for a 17-year-old. Sure, yeah. yeah. But I, um, you know, I, I think I would have liked to have been um, playing instruments back then. I just couldn't. Oh, and they're not cheap either. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I was like homeless and on drugs. Yeah. So, ta-da. That'll put a speed bump in the project. Yeah. Um, another artist or, or group that I think puts together a nice blending of all this great electronic music with um, vintage production is Sam Phillips. It's the next song on the playlist. Logan, you brought this in. Why is Tripping Over Gravity a selection? That I love Sam Phillips. Yeah. Again, weird Christian cult upbringing. Sam Phillips put out a Christian record early in the 80s under the name Samantha Phillips. And then I found that and told my parents all about that, listened to that record, and then I was like, so this is Samantha Phillips. She just shortened her name, even though Samantha Phillips had turned Sam Phillips and started working with T-Bone Burnett and went totally secular, mm. and a lot of it was super disturbing. <laughs> um, I That was one of those legitimate tricks. Same with Jesus Jones, man. Like oh, I, yeah. I told my parents that they were – it was a man's name and it was a religious man and they pronounced it Jesus Hones. My parents <laughs> Hones. like went for that. I, I know my mom's listening. I, I no it. offense to my parents. Like I, I was just very deceptive <laughs> as a youth and I really needed those records. And so, um, yeah, Sam Phillips came into my life by way of that. Oh. Most people know her from the Gilmore Girls, I think now, because she does all the music uh, for that show. Oddly enough, my wife, who's listening, is also binge-watching. I think she's in season four right now. Congratulations, honey. Thank you. <laughs> so here it is. This is Sam Phillips on Portland Radio Project. Liz Fair here on Portland Radio Project. Special guest Logan Lynn is with me, and co-writer and producer Gino Mari. I don't. I, that's me. What's the? Is that uh, an yeah. applicable label? Yeah, sure, that's yeah. applicable. Yeah, yeah. to this record for sure. Yeah. Well, Gino, I wanted uh, to talk to you about the next song on our playlist, and I'm going to play a couple more tracks from Logan back to back. Mm -hmm. But thank God, uh, <laughs> I know. But, like, what is with all this other music? <laughs> I guess we have to let Liz into the playlist. Right. Uh, so this one, we're going to play kind of the evolution. You submitted the influence. You wanted the four-track version of oh, uh, yeah, Burning yeah. Your Glory, That's the song. Okay. which is really cool. And then we're going to follow that by uh, Break Me Down, which is one of my favorite tracks on a do. Um, but talk to me about the intimacy on, on this four-track version. So uh, what happened was Logan found a cassette. Um, I don't know when At my know. mom's house there in a shoebox, there was the original demo from when I was 15 to 17 years old recording the originals. Yeah. And so I was transferring them all into my DAW to make digital versions. Um, 
and I was listening to it, and I'd never heard it, and I'd never heard his early, early period, and so I was listening to it, and I'd played that song, like the the album version of it, on tour, um, in 2010 or something, yeah, and uh, it was the same song, but it had a totally different feeling. It was like a much more, I don't know, light and and beautiful and sad and 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 just great. And I really liked it, and I was shocked that it was the same song that I mm. had played in this like kind of tough punk right. uh, way. And uh, <clears throat> so it kind of gave me the initial idea of like what the next thing that we do should be something that's like really true to what he would have done when he was first writing music. Like what was his honest intention when he was a kid? Like just trying to find out how to make sound, like how to piece these things together to make something cool and so a lot of the drum tone on a do was emulating that uh c63 or whatever cool yeah, yeah. drum machine that uh was initially used for that loop and oh, so brilliant yeah yeah so especially like what's the song uh the last one uh oh, lucifer that yeah. one actually has the same feel oh, yeah and everything. This, it has that yeah. sk1 beat in it huh yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, I just think it's so cool. And it's oddly enough, like the, the 16 video blog that you just released. I mean, this is a very raw yeah, snapshot yeah. on on Logan Lynn. Uh, he's my special guest tonight on Sounds of PDX. We are headed into the second hour. Stick around. Chance to win a vinyl. Hit us up on the talk board. Say hello. Lots to come. Wishing you 
Back-to-back snapshot of Logan Lynn. That was a 17-year-old Logan Lynn compared to his latest release. The first the, one the was first 17. One. Yeah. I don't know. Can our listeners guess which was which? Oh, I think the second one was <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm still 17. How very dare you? <laughs> we uh, definitely... Times three. <laughs> oh, my God. That's not even real. Although, if it were, I would embrace it because yeah. age is nothing but a number. It's beautiful. It's especially these days, right? <laughs> right. So we've talked about the band and... Um, during the break, we were talking about Gil and uh, but clever you, Gil, yeah, yeah clever Gil, yeah, clever Gil. Yeah. <laughs> you said not to say, but I'm going to say oh, magic fingers. Magic, magic fingers. <laughs> it's such an odd thing to translate a record into a live thing. And uh, you said you're going to be headed to South by Southwest yeah. in, March. in March. We play shows for the 14th through the 18th. In Very Austin. exciting. And then tour in the fall. Now with that, like. What's your mission, other than to, of course, put on a great show? Like, what is your mission when yeah. you get on stage at South by Southwest? What do you want people to know about your 30 or 40 minute set? Uh, don't cry tonight. <laughs> yeah, don't <laughs> cry tonight. Uh, I mean, that's my directive yeah. to try to not cry on stage. Um, I don't know. That's a hard question. You know, I think we're, in general, I'm trying to connect to people, and, and the idea is. Um, that maybe I'm not totally alone in how I feel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this whole process of the last 18 years of putting out records has been about that, that connection point, you know, trying to find my voice, trying to see if anybody can hear it. And that directly translated into your life. I mean, what you're doing with keep Oregon well, and I want you to, you know, give them as many shout outs as as you'd like, like the, the mission as it is, and what you're doing to bring awareness to mental health, especially for teenagers, I, I believe that's like, I mean, again, if I had had something like that when I was a kid, I would feel a lot less crazy. And yeah. you've experienced the same thing. Like to be an artist and to be exposed like that is, I mean, it's kind of the theme of what we're talking about tonight. It's, it's extremely hard. So how do you sure. anchor yourself? My self-care plan? <laughs> yeah. You're asking me about yes. my self-care plan? <laughs> yes. um, holy crap. It is a complicated, stacked, layered cake of self-care uh, at this point. You know, I, I am going to be nine years clean in March. Congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah, I'm much more pleasant on the radio than when I was a crackhead <laughs> alcoholic. Uh, that's that's for sure. I can't imagine. Um, no, you don't actually have to imagine it. You just got to do some Googling, my friend. Um, <laughs> but on the at, at any rate, uh, you know, I, I tried. I think the way I take care of myself is by letting myself be myself, you know? I mean, there's this pressure that I used to put on on myself all the time about how you, how I'm supposed to look, how I'm supposed to sound, like what I'm supposed to say and not say, and, and how I'm supposed to say and not say those things. And, mm-hmm. and I, I had a label telling me to do things for so long and different publicists trying to push me in different directions. Um, the, th- the way I take care of myself now is by doing what I feel I need to do, right? If it's if it doesn't feel like the right thing to go on a two-month tour of bars as a as a person who doesn't drink, then we're going to do a different kind of tour and, yeah. and play radio shows where there aren't serving drinks and, and like stuff like that. Sure. 
I almost totally said yeah, a bad word, yeah, yeah. but you know, I can feel it coming. Stuff is what I always meant to say. I, I also, you know, I, I go see a therapist. I'm a person who has been very open about not just my struggles with um, alcohol and drugs formerly, but also my mental and behavioral health care. You know, I'm a survivor. I have a very public history of depression and um, suicide attempts and overdoses. Those are things that are. Um, those weren't those didn't happen in isolation over the past couple of decades. And so it would have been impossible for me to pull off some kind of facade or, hmm. or some kind of image that didn't um, connect directly to what I was really going through at, at any given time. Sometimes I'm happy and, and that's how I show up. And sometimes I'm suffering and, and I guess I'm unwilling to hide my suffering to make other people comfortable with my music or, or with me. Um, I'm, I'm very much of a mind that my brain is part of my body and I wouldn't feel weird if I sprained my ankle going to the doctor. So I'm not going to feel weird about going and getting help with what I may be struggling with in my brain. Um, and so keep Oregon well, you know, I was already publicly talking about uh, my own journey towards healing or mm. resilience and uh, my own mental health struggles uh, for years on MTV and Logo and, and on the Internet and in real life and on stage. And um, and I just sort of made it official. Uh, so I you know, started doing LGBTQ activism in 2010 officially and then did some work with Cover Oregon mm. around um, Obamacare. And that led to partnering with Trillium Family Services on uh, an advocacy platform. So Trillium in 2014 poached me to come create something. And what we've created is Keep Oregon Well. Uh, people can check that out at keeporegonwell.com. But it's a statewide uh, anti-stigma campaign centered around the intersection of mental health and the arts. You've got a nice partnership with KGW. Anyone who's got Channel 8 in town has seen Logan. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, we're partnered, the strategic partners, uh, spokespeople. It's me, Sheila Hamilton from Kink mm -hmm. FM, um, Trey Renee from iHeartRadio, Z100, CJ McCollum from the Blazers, Lars Larson, um, Jay Moore is a spokesperson now, um, Jerry Allen from the Ducks. It's, mm. it's been pretty cool to partner not just with um, major uh, media outlets, sure. but, but with their personalities who all come with networks of their own. And, and unlike me trying to sell a really fast car, uh, you know, mental health is not the sexiest thing in the world. People who come and do, uh, who are drawn to mental health advocacy usually have a personal stake in the game. And that is the case across the board with all the people we work with. And the, you know, this, this movement, we're reaching about a million, 50,000 people every week now, Wow! Um, which is, you know, whether that's through the Keep Oregon Well concert series uh, or on the radio or on TV, you know, we're, we've saturated the environment. Um, and I'm really committed to growing that um, and continuing to meet people where they're at in community versus, you know, um, continue to ignore that people are not being connected to resources. You know, Mental Health in America is this report that just got released um, and when you include the District of Columbia, Oregon came in 51st for mental health in the country. Wow. People are not doing well here. And it's because of a severe lack of funding. It's because of stigma. And I'm, I'm working on the legislative level with Trillium, and I'm working on the community 
organization level, frankly, with all different types of people to make it okay, make it cooler to tell the truth about who you are and what you're going through um, and create a space for people to um, feel normal. You said it earlier, it's, it's being congruent. It's like the most congruent thing you can do because yeah. art you can hide behind so many times. I mean, there's bands like Tool and Guar that fans don't even see their faces. You know, it's like- Those aren't Guar's faces? No, unfortunately. Oh my God. They only come out at Halloween time. <laughs> my whole life has been a lie. Um, LA Breeze is the next yeah. song on the playlist. That's another influence you brought in. Good Logan. segue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back to the music. There, there is no segue. Guar. Yeah. But to LA Breeze. Um, yeah, so what about this track here? So these, it was so weird making music I was making back in the early aughts, right? Late yeah. 90s, early aughts. Nobody had a cultural reference point. People, every time I played or people listened to my record, they were like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> um, and that was very much how it felt. And then when the Postal Service came mm. out, that changed that. There was suddenly a reference point for people to be like, oh, right, Ben Gibbard did that. Indeed. I understand Electronic. what Logan Lynn's about now. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's not the voice I feel like all people in the public are using. But <laughs> I think it's pretty, it, pretty real. <laughs> all right, yeah. fine, it is. Um, but, well, you know, so there was different people, though, throughout, you know, Mike Doty, Soul Coughing, um, certainly Simeon, uh, who were at least coasting in in that direction, right? They yeah. were rock bands, but they were for sure doing really emotional, lyrical stuff over what I considered to be dance music. Yeah, sure. Nice cross of uh, sonic quality, though. It's, again, kind of what a do has, Gino. It's it's the the blend of punchy electronic drums over a vintage guitar amp. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's very production You're forward. punchy. <laughs> you are listening to Sounds of PDX here on PRP.FM and 99.1 in the Portland area. This is L.A. Breeze here on Portland Radio Project. always kind of a shocking ending i wasn't us talking <laughs> no it's so cool that's uh the up sound for down people gino you brought that in what is that song to be you that, said it's the, the best, best song of the by 2000s. whitey yeah. whitey yeah whitey, yeah he's probably one of my favorites of the 2000s and uh yeah that song is probably my favorite it's incredibly beautiful lyrics so i sad, also love whitey myopic and amazing he was on my list for tonight but i cut him because i knew gino would save Whitey. yeah that's that's yeah. i was gonna say there was yeah. we were gonna have double whitey i've played double influences quite a bit Bowie. not tonight oh, yeah. satan Hendrix. not tonight <laughs> <laughs> that song actually has a very uh similar sonic quality to the tracks um from Adu. it has been reviewed by jay moore the danny warhols vortex music magazine out advocate magazine and much, much more. And the views are all pretty much the same thing. My like, this is it. a brilliant pop <laughs> torture record. Like, it is just an open diary. Yeah. Um, it's everything we were talking about. It's been about. nice. People have uh, received it well. And it's endorsed by Gino's mom. Yeah, my mom loves it. She loves it. it. <laughs> that Logan is nice. He's so sweet. <laughs> Good boy. Kind of an ambiguous question for um, both of you. What does the Portland music scene mean to you overall? And where do you see it going? Or where would you hope to see it going? I'll start. I'm happy to start. Uh, Portland music scene has totally changed, right? Like the scene I grew up in was Dandy Warhols and Dan Reed and 
um, Elliot Smith and Gossip. And so that was a very different time. I think that moved in when that scene kind of shifted and some people moved away. That Then I started sort of being in chromatics, you know, that sort of uh, 2000s um, electro scene here in Portland. And then at some point, and probably all the way through, I mean, I think we kind of created our own scene. Yeah, there, it, was, it was like... Um, it's always been about what we want to do in the studio ourselves. We're, we're relatively insular with how, how we work. And I have always been that way. Um, worked with one or two people tops at any given time. Um, it's an intimate process. Yeah. But I, I think it's exciting to see it change. I think it's cool that it's still vibrant. I think gentrification is really messed up and has pushed out some people that would have continued to make it vibrant yeah. and um, also change is inevitable so um, I'm hoping Portland can strike a balance there so that we can have both we can move forward and we're moving forward in a way that's humane and and honors the the, the parts that frankly made people want to move here in the first place yeah and I think we're ahead of the curve you know not to sidestep from here but I you know as far as like the city and the attitude we're not I can't see us turning into what's happened in San Francisco or Seattle in some way. Last words. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right here on Yeah, no, I agree, so and I think that's because we won't stand for it, right? I think yeah. you have, like, Chloe was elected. Like, there's different things happening that are going to slow that process down. Yeah. And I think sometimes when culture shifts so much and people are pushed out and you have to find your safe place in a new place – that can create a sense of community that just wouldn't have existed had that hardship not presented itself to your scene. Mm. Um, and so that's my irrepressible optimistic view, irrepressibly optimistic view. But I, um, you know, I, I hope that Portland is able to hold on to the, um, the part of it that was dirty and raw and fun. And um, I hope we can let go of like the everybody's addicted to heroin. Like that part wasn't cool. But the parts that were cool really were cool. I don't think it's possible to to have $250 rent that you split five ways anymore in Portland. That's not real anymore in the world. Um, And we hung on to that dream for a long time here. So there's a little bit of just, you know, general inflation catch up that's going to happen that I think is hitting people really hard. So I don't want to sound cold or, or unfeeling about that, but it is, um, it is real, you know, and you go, I, we travel enough where I see how much things cost elsewhere. And, and I still do feel like Portland is affordable and, yeah. and it yeah. will, it will always be home. I mean, I've, I've lived other places. I, I always think, wow, that would be really handy to live in LA or New York or any number of places where, um, frankly, the people we're working with are at doing a lot of this other stuff beyond just the making of the record. Uh, But I can't, I won't. Uh, Portland is home. You know, the Dandy Warhols always were like that too. Like, um, we're not we're not going anywhere. We it's just as easy to fly out and back as it is to live somewhere else and have to fly here all the time to see your friends. Again, it's being congruent. <laughs> uh, Gino, what about you? What does the Portland music scene mean to you? I mean, the Portland music scene has always shifted. You know, I, I came up in the goth scene, and uh, that was pretty vibrant, and it still is now. You know, you go to the Hawthorne. Yeah, well, I mean, there's uh, what's the place? Uh, Lovecraft, my buddy John's bar. Oh, right. It's like an amazing horror theme bar, and it has you know great nights for dancing and stuff and and a bunch of strange experimental music that that gets performed there and i mean that's all i really wanted as a kid growing up so it's sort of the best you know and before we had like the pear cedar i know that's back now but like that used to be 
like the place to play. Not back like it was. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can verify yeah. that. Second, second incarnation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it just it, it always changes, it, and that's kind yeah. of the nature of everything, you know. Yeah, I love New Portland just like I loved Old Portland. I think it's about expectations. Uh, I miss La Luna. Yeah, and I miss Satyricon. Yeah, and I, you know I miss Satyricon smelled so bad. Come on, it did, but I miss. You know that. I, I do mean, think they cleaned the floors with pee or yeah, something. Yeah, but I miss definitely a Stark experience. Street. <laughs> I miss there being like a queer place in town to go. The fact that we're safe. I'm using quotation marks, which you, you know, air quotes. You can't really see it on the radio, but. Um, safe space has kind of expanded so there's not as much of a need for a, a section of town but I actually yeah. disagree with that I think that there was something cool about that section of town that we're, we've lost it forces yeah. community a focus I mean, scene yeah. yeah well you mentioned this band earlier back on the playlist here Chromatics is, is up next this my is my friend Ruth Kill for Love what an awesome song so uplifting <laughs> yeah, they are doing, I mean, Johnny is an old friend too, Johnny Jewell and Ruth Radley. They are doing such amazing things in the world. They're going to be on this new uh, Twin Peaks reboot on Showtime uh, next year. And um, I'm really proud of them. I love it when Portland wins and my yeah. old um, friends who I believed in for so long are um, recognized on the world stage like that. It's, it's cool. Well, I'm happy to play them on the show. Uh, this is a Chromatics on Sounds of PDX. I'm hanging out with Gino Mari and Logan Lynn until 9 p.m. The subtleties in the headphones, man, that's what it's about. And who uses timpanis on outros anymore? That's David Bowie here on Portland Radio Project. Life on Mars. Gino Mari, what can you say about that, man? That snare drum sound is the sound of Logan Lindsay Dew. Oh, yeah. yeah that slapback uh, tape echo snare. That was why I picked it. I mean, other than it being probably my all-time favorite Bowie song. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's perfect. It's uh, huge. So we topical. Yeah. Very well, topical. A Dew is one of my favorite records that was released in 2016 and i have to say that i'm like a dog now is my favorite track off the record like it's so great it's it's beautiful um the the harmony in the chorus like i can't get out of my head i'm always singing along with uh, gino when you guys are live because i think yeah. you sing the harmony on on the record yeah what does this song mean to you i mean it means a lot to me already and i've only heard it a sliver of the times that you've heard it i've never heard it <laughs> so poetic. Um, I'm excited to hear it for the first time now. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I, this whole record's about gr my grief and my loss of my relationship and my sort of my old self and and my Pomeranian who died, um, who had been my one friend and confidant in the world all through my addiction and and then getting well. Um, he died right after my last record came out and I had a pretty serious mental health breakdown um, as a result. Uh, and, you know, this record, uh, that's probably one of the more tender songs on there for me. I have, I've had a hard time um, singing it without crying. <laughs> I sound like um, you know, some sort of weird cat power um, ripoff cliche person, but I really <laughs> have had a hard time getting through that one. And so, you know, these last shows, it's been cool to be able to still stay connected to it, right? Like, I don't want to compartmentalize my feelings about the song in order to perform it, because then it's no good. But I also don't want to get up there and just be like, my dog, <laughs> my dog. 
which I literally would do if I really went there. So um, part of our getting ready for the show and, and why it took so long for the record to come out even has been about me getting comfortable enough with the very active feeling experience I'm still having. And Gino as a co-musician, writer, and, and I would even say as a friend, like how do you help Logan get to that point to where he can feel that as an artist and also keep it together on stage? Well, I mean, a lot of it just comes from the final product. When you listen back to the final product, is it great? Does it feel, does it make you feel something? If it does, then it's on, you know, and that's what you have to do. And he also, I had a producer before a while back who, before I would go on stage, he would say to me, don't cry tonight, Logan. Oh my gosh. I know, not a super nice thing. But I told Gino that in confidence at one point. And now before we go on, he's always like, don't cry tonight. <laughs> and it totally puts me, it like relieves, it alleviates it, right? He names what I'm afraid yeah. of happening and then it doesn't happen. And you also know his intention. Is to is make him cry. To make, <laughs> no, it's to lighten the mood. Yeah. He knows, like yeah. he'll look at me. I have extreme stage fright still. I've been doing this a long time and I can still hear in my voice sometimes how scared I am up hmm. there. Um, and that's gotten a lot better, but I had to relearn how to be up there after I quit drinking and doing Coke, you know? So um, I'm eight years into really the first time being present on stages. And um, when you are singing dance music, there's a lot to hide behind. And when you're singing um, this sort of, you know, it, it, pop, uh, no bells and whistles pop, uh, there's not as much. In fact, there's nothing to hide behind. In fact, he won't even let me hide behind super affected vocals. <laughs> so here we are. Well, it's like I said, it's for me right now, the most powerful song on Ado. Absolutely love it. Uh, let us Luke. know what you think. Hit us up on the talk board. Say hello to us. Uh, you're listening to Logan Lynn, Gino Mari, and Luke Neal on Sounds of PDX.
Can You Get Me Off by Logan Lynn and the lost art form of fading songs out. No one fades out songs <laughs> anymore. We do. I when we know. argue about how to end it. I'm a fan of the fade. Let's fade it. Yeah. Um, the production on it, we've been talking about it all night. It's, I haven't said this yet, but I find in a way it, it allows itself to be intimate and epic. You know, and I, the the last song, uh, Go There When You Want to Be Loved, that we're going to play tonight, is just like this huge, anthemic, epic piece. And then we just play it, I Am Like a Dog Now, that tears your heartstrings up. So Yeah, it's a story. I hope people will listen to the record all the way through. Definitely. Um, it feels like, you know, if you have 62 minutes, um, maybe listen to it in one setting with headphones. That was how it was written, and that's how we released it. I know that's not totally reasonable in modern um, millennial culture. But who needs to be reasonable? Anymore? But we don't. Yeah, we're not. Co- we're not super committed to being reasonable. You can ask my wife. I'm dedicated. Anytime I get a new record, I listen to it all the way through. Just once. Four times. Good job. Four times. Luke um, is legit. I've got to be, it's a, it's a Rolling Stone reviewer said that one time when Radiohead's Amnesiac came out. I didn't get it. I didn't like it. The review came out four and a half stars. The guy's like, listen to it at least four times. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've applied it and I have found records that immediately I'm like, I'm going to have to listen four times before I really appreciate right. something. Sure. And sometimes you realize those are awful records by the third or fourth yeah. one. You're like, oh no, actually this is terrible. And I thought it was great. So, I dig a single or two. Right. Um, I really loved the cover. Of what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of the record. I, I, bought, I bought it blind. I used to do that before you totally. could sample stuff. Camelot music, baby. Blind buys. Yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. I just um, follow producers. Yeah. Right. That's what I did. That's very informed. That's a good idea. Yeah. Can I trick my parents into thinking you're a Christian? That was my that was my deal. <laughs> What's the loophole right. I can find? Yeah. Yeah. Mine was actually opening the CD and seeing if it said synthesizers. And if it did, then I'd give it a try. Uh-huh. But I listened to a lot of weird progressive jazz for a little bit there. Because nice. <laughs> they, they all use synths. Return to Forever and all this stuff. Basically uh-huh. the yeah. same thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> We've got the Sundays and the Innocence Mission coming up. Uh, the they own my heart. The Sundays is like the perfect yeah. 90s oh, yeah. uh, vibe on this track. What does Timeless this song mean? Timeless vibe, you yes. mean. <laughs> Uh, that was made popular in the 90s. I mean, don't, the Sundays the Sundays were like the soundtrack to my whole life um, and continue to be. With the exception of Mitski, I often you know, only listen to the same music I listened to back then. And the Sundays and Innocence Mission were my mainstays. This is a, a great uh, group of songs here. Early influences for Logan Lynn. He's my special guest. Stick around. More on Sounds of PDX. That's the Innocence Mission here on Sounds of PDX. That's the last influence that we've played tonight. My special guest has been Logan Lynn and Gino Mari. Logan, thanks for bringing that one in, man. That's the Sundays oh, and Innocence Mission. I love both of those bands. Yeah. The Innocence Mission, if I had a soundtrack to my life all the way through, it would be them. I know I said that about the Sundays a few minutes ago, but I take it all back. It's all the Innocence Mission. His heart was changed. Yeah, yeah. I just song. realized. Just seven like, minutes later. They're my forever, they're my forever home. <laughs> Well, I want to thank both of you for being here. Uh, it's really the fastest two hours of my week every totally. week. Uh, thanks for sharing your influences and stories. Thanks for being so opening and congruent as always. Thanks for using my favorite word. Uh, any shout-outs yeah. before we send you off into the evening and end our playlist? 
Uh, shout out to uh, Sounds of PDX yeah, and Portland yeah. Radio Project. Yeah, and I mean, come find us. We're, we're all over. LoganLynnMusic.com. Uh, we we want to connect and, and stay active. And certainly, if you want to get involved with Keep Oregon Well, um, we have a robust volunteer program. We go to shows. We partner with bands. Uh, and uh, we could use your help. So volunteer at KeepOregonWell.com. Thank you so much, Logan. Gino? Yeah, that, like that's to... pretty much it. I'm pretty... I'm, uh, All in, yeah, I'm good. I'm good, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> well, thanks again, guys. Thank uh, you for having us. Way. <laughs> way out. Way out where you stand. Are you gone? Are you gone? You way out. Way out where you stand. Are you gone? Are you gone? Are you gone? Are you gone?